You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 447. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP447. Hey there, check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question, you know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy to implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people, Amy here. I am so excited to be kicking off a new series. If you're newer to the show, typically what I do is three to four episodes that are around a similar theme. Last week, we wrapped up a four-week themed episode series all around identity. And there were a lot of nuances in there. And I found that a lot of people reached out and mentioned that they were in a unique place where some sort of transition had happened where they, you know, were empty nesters or children were graduating or they were getting a divorce or, you know, something was going on for them where they kind of started going, who am I? Right. So there was lots of great stuff in that episode series. You'll definitely want to check it out. And today we're going to be starting a series around boundaries. And I'm going to be doing a two part piece inside this four part series, (laughs) just to be a little bit confusing, on how to understand what your boundaries actually are. Because we do get a lot of kind of buzz in the personal development space around you have to establish boundaries. And I think sometimes it's like, well, what the fuck does that even mean? And how do I even know where I need to do that? Like, what are some ways to really understand that? So I'm going to talk about that today. And then I'm going to start the beginning of a process that I have put together around three ways to establish boundaries in your life. So we're going to cover the first one today as well. And then next week, we'll cover the remaining two. And as always, I post about this on Instagram. So I would love for you to find the meme and just share with me what your biggest takeaway was. And you can find me on the episode page if you need to, or you can find the handle at Hey Amy Greensmith pretty much everywhere. But I do like to hang out the most on Insta. So let's jump in and talk about boundaries, specifically how to figure out what they even are. So I'm going to have a handful of different questions that you might want to jot down and use as journal prompts to help activate some of the areas in your life where you might need to be a little bit vocal. So first off, I want to start with a quote that I found actually in Brene Brown's recent book, Atlas of the Heart, which is brilliant and genius, by the way. And I'll link to that in the show notes. But she's actually quoting somebody else. She's quoting a person named Prentice Hemphill. And they say this, 
Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Now, obviously, that is one definition of boundaries, and I think there are, you know, a myriad of them. But the way I've always defined it is a really fierce decision about something that you will no longer tolerate in your life, whether that's related to other people or to yourself, you know, something you're not going to tolerate from yourself any longer, and then being vocal about that and enforcing it. So there's a lot of nuance inside of that. We're definitely going to be talking about it, but I think it's important that we have some sort of working definition before we even jump into this. So I'm going to give you five different places to look about what are the boundaries that I need to set. So the first one, which if you remember nothing else, remember this because this is one of the easiest ways to find a specific place where you need to start speaking up for yourself, which to me is very, very synonymous with boundary setting. The question is, what do I chronically complain about? Now, I'm not talking about just needing to vent or purge out some angry emotion sporadically here and there. I am talking about when you are complaining about a very specific individual over and over and over again, but you don't express to them what your grievance is and you don't work towards any resolution. So what that typically sounds like is if you are really frustrated with your mom, let's say, It's likely that your partner has really heard all about it, has gotten an earful. Or if you're really upset with your partner or a sibling, maybe it's your best friend who knows all about it, has heard all the ins and outs. So sometimes we are actually speaking up. We're just speaking up to the wrong person. We're speaking up to people who can't do a damn thing about it. And there's a very real reason for that because when we stand in a place of blame, we don't really have to take any action. So if we can just bitch and moan about the dumb shit that our mom's doing or how frustrating our boss is, and we can just stay in that place of like, oh God, they fucking suck and they do this and they do that, then we don't have to take any damn action. We get to forever be a fucking victim and do nothing about it. But you are far too smart for that. So that is one of the place, places that you can start looking to go, okay, is there anybody who I chronically complain about the things that they are doing? Because if you are doing that, if it is worth taking all of that energy to bitch and moan about it, then it's probably worth taking action on. It's probably worth being vocal about, to search out a remedy. Now, some situations we can't do that, and we're, we're going to be talking about that in a few weeks, about what to do when grace and kindness and speaking up for yourself doesn't work, or when are the situations where we shouldn't really be vocal. There's definitely a space for that, 100%. So stay tuned, because we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. But I want you to start thinking about that. Do you perpetually complain about one person's behavior, but have chosen to stay completely silent. Because I'll tell you what, in a lot of situations, a lot of situations, that person has no idea that what they are doing is causing you so much strife. 
I like to say that you need to at least give people the opportunity to be what you need. If you're just bitching and complaining behind the scenes and you never vocalize the things that you need from them, they are in the dark 100%. Okay, number two, what pisses me off? What offends me? When do I bite my tongue? Now, this might not be one specific individual like you know, your boss who does something daily that you want to complain about. I'm talking about are there situations that arise when people talk about, let's say, the queer community in when you're hanging out with your family or when you're hanging out at a party? Are there certain topics that come up that you feel really strongly about? For me, one of those right now that's very pivotal and topical is the shit that's going down around abortion rights. That's something that it doesn't matter who's talking about it. I have something to say about it. (laughs) I am a fierce, fierce pro-choice advocate. I am 100% about body autonomy. And I will not allow my silence to make me a liar. So I want you to think about that. Are there situations that no matter what the topic is, Maybe it's around children who are neurodivergent and you want to always be an advocate for those voices. And if somebody makes a comment or they use an archaic slang term that you're going, holy shit, that that is so not okay. I want you to start noticing those are the things where we might need some boundaries. Maybe it's a coworker who says things that are really off color. For myself, as you probably heard in the last series, I am queer. However, I am very straight passing because I've been in what appears to be a heterosexual relationship for the last 25 years. So people will say very dumb shit around me, assuming that I am straight. (laughs) So those are situations where I go, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to just allow that to slide. I'm actually going to speak up and say something in that instance. Now, those kind of boundaries end up being a little bit different. They end up being more like a statement of I don't share that opinion or I would appreciate it if you wouldn't say things like that in front of me. They might not warrant a full-on sit-down conversation. Sometimes it's just enough to have your voice be heard and not allow your silence to make you a liar. So that's one of the questions that I check in with myself about. In fact, you may have heard me tell the story. I think I've talked about it before on the show. Many years ago when I was doing theater and performing regularly, there was a gentleman who I was in doing a show with. And he had a meme on his phone that was incredibly disparaging to a mentally and physically disabled child, which to me does not constitute constitute anything comedic by any stretch of the imagination. So he's showing all these folks around me like, oh, look at this. Ha ha. Isn't it funny? And in that moment, probably the easiest thing, the least awkward thing would be for me to go along with it, for me to be like, ha ha ha. And then just like kind of turn around and try to not be a part of it. But I knew that that would be complicit. That would be me saying that behavior is okay. 
and I will be goddamned if I allow my silence to make me a liar. So I said in that moment, you know what? I actually don't find that funny. I would really appreciate it if you didn't show me things like that. All right. See you on the main stage. See ya. Bye. You know, I didn't have to have a big sit down. It wasn't a big, tough conversation. Come to Jesus. But it was very clear. I do not share that opinion. So I want you to start thinking about that. What are the things that you feel really passionate about? What are the things that sometimes offend you? Are there places where you really bite your tongue? Are other people making jokes about things that that you don't find funny? Misogynistic, racist, I mean, you name it. <laughs> There's probably some sort of social issue that people don't always know the most respectful or don't care the most respectful way to address those topics. So number one, what do I chronically complain about? Number two, where do I actually bite my tongue? And it might serve you to to identify, is it with a specific grouping of people or is it also around a specific topic? I know for myself out here, I have to be really deliberate that I don't believe in God. Like I am not, I am an atheist. And so being in the South there, we are very laden with a bunch of fucking churches around every corner. And there's an assumption that people can pray with you or that you are a part of that specific faith, which I find highly, highly offensive and presumptuous. So I always make it a point to say, oh, I actually don't subscribe to that. I have a lot of my own religious trauma, which if you heard from the last series, we talked about that as well. And that is a piece of my identity that I'm not willing to compromise on. And I'm also not willing to get into a full on big debate about it. I'm just not. But I'm not going to allow my silence to make me a liar. Okay, number three, what components must be present for you to feel happy and healthy? This is a totally different way to look at boundaries. What are the things in your life that you genuinely need in order to be the most happy and healthy? For example, sleep, exercise, declining events because you need rest really watching and being vigilant about what you are consuming, whether that's visually, audibly, digestively, you know, what you're drinking and eating. If you're an introvert, this is very much my case. I have to put up boundaries because I can't people all day long. I have too much peopling going on sometimes. And if I've been around a large group of people for a long period of time, I absolutely have to tap out and be by myself. That is a boundary that I have to establish. Another great example, if we're talking about expanding some of these topics that I just mentioned, sleep. The older I get, the less negotiable that is. I absolutely need to get my sleep. That means if somebody's asking something of me that's super late at night or super early in the morning or is going to be really disruptive to my sleep, that is a boundary that I have to really set in stone and be vigilant about. We actually just had a situation like that a few days ago where because of of how Mr. Smith's schedule has been lately, those of you who do not know, that's my dear, dear husband, we have kept Saturdays as a very sacred day for us, where that's our date day, our day to hang out. We had some friends who needed a ride to the airport 
and it happened to fall on date day. And it was 100% a no for me. And we kind of discussed it and we ended up politely declining. But that is a boundary. That's a way in which a very people-pleasing tendency can come out when we want to make sure that everybody else is okay. We want to come through. Now, any other day of the week, 100%, we would have been there. 100%. But that was something that we really needed to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? We don't fuck with date night. We have to keep that sacred. And we also didn't have to be a dick about expressing it. And we're going to talk about that more when we talk about the actual steps of establishing a boundary. But that is something that that we've had to do. Declining because you need some rest, really watching what you are consuming and telling other people. Like, for example, I know that for people who are choosing to be alcohol-free or who are in sobriety, man, people can be so shitty to you about why aren't you drinking? Oh, my gosh. Oh, what a stick in the mud. And why not? Why wouldn't? And just say really offensive things, not knowing at all your history with food or alcohol or whatever it might be. So that could also be a boundary of, you know what? My sobriety is not up for discussion right now. Or it could be something where you lead with a joke. And you know my caveat is if you lead with a joke, you have to annex that with, but in all seriousness though, or all joking aside though. So it would sound like this. You would lead with a joke. Are you seriously trying to make me feel bad for not consuming poison? No, seriously, though. Like, all joking aside, my sobriety is really not something that is up for discussion. I I truly hope you can respect that. So anyway, tell me about what's happening with your job, right? Change the subject. So that's how that might sound if you're establishing a boundary around components that must be present in your life for you to be happy and fulfilled. So start thinking about that. Are there any lines there that I have to really be firm about? It could also be around how much time you get out with nature. It might be boundaries you need to have with your immediate family, like your partner or your children of like, I've got to be alone or I need to get out of the house or I need to go for a hike. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of things to consider within that, but I want you to just check in with yourself. Are there situations there where I negate what I need because I lean towards the people pleasing? And that's one thing that I think deserves underlining is typically boundaries, speaking up, tough conversations are the hardest for those of us who lean on people-pleasing as a defense mechanism. We want to not rock the boat. We want to make sure that everybody else is happy. And there's a lot of really bullshit capitalist patriarchal reasons why we do that, which we don't necessarily need to get into right now. But know that it's likely that people-pleasing as a behavior has kept you safe in a lot of ways, and that's one of the reasons why you lean on it as a defense mechanism, as a behavioral pattern. And then oftentimes you get to a place, 
often it's usually in your 30s, 40s, 50s. You're, if you're lucky, it's in your 20s. And you kind of go, holy shit, all this people pleasing is holding me back instead of actually keeping me safe. It's now done a 180 and it's now inhibiting my happiness. And it's also anchoring me into really unhappy and unfulfilling relationships. So that's the third third element is what components must be present for me to feel happy and healthy. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice take up space and advocate for their wants needs and opinions like yesterday and if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits, and it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without 
without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test kit. Now let's jump back into today's topic. Okay, number four, what behaviors or statements from others make me feel unsafe? Is there anyone that I avoid due to discomfort? This might be somebody in your family. This might be somebody in your workplace. It could be somebody who loves to give hugs or is a lot more physically affectionate and you are not and that makes you wildly uncomfortable, that could be a boundary that needs to be in place. Now, that doesn't always have to be like, hey, how physical you are is really uncomfortable for me. You can be, some, you can do something like put your arms up and say, hey, let's settle for a fist bump, right? Like that is a way to establish a boundary, especially if it's somebody in your workplace or somebody you don't know very well. You can use something like that. If it is name calling, if it's topics that are always brought up, maybe it is you married into a family where everyone raises their voice and yells and that's how they communicate and that was not how you communicated in your household. That might have to be something that you consider saying, hey y'all, I know this is how you communicate. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to politely excuse myself. I'm happy to converse with y'all a little bit later when things aren't quite as heightened. Those are things that you might have to establish. Or you might have to tell your partner, hey, I've got about a 30-minute area of, of bandwidth that I can hang out with your family because it's just too taxing on my nervous system, right? It could be a boundary like that where you're not directly talking to the family. You're talking to your partner about how you tackle being with their family. Okay. Behaviors or statements from others that make me feel unsafe. Now, these sorts of boundaries may not be verbal, okay? I'll talk about this in the episode that will come out in a handful of weeks about when not to speak up, but people-pleasing and making sure that everybody else is okay is actually an iteration of our fawn fear response. And what that means is that sometimes people-pleasing in order to stay safe is one of the best choices we can make in the moment. So an example might be if I'm queer and I'm out and I find myself around a bunch of folks who are clearly anti-LGBTQ+, and they are clearly violent and would hurt somebody, it's probably not the moment for me to stand up and speak about how they're being bigots and how that's an unacceptable way to behave. In that situation, my safety is paramount. That is the most important thing for me to tend to in that moment. So the boundary could be being very deliberate about not being around those individuals. For you, it could be, I don't really feel safe around some of my family. Now, that doesn't always have to be 
physically unsafe. That could be emotionally unsafe where there's, again, name calling or verbal abuse or a lot of stimuli that's really uncomfortable for you. That could be something that you say, hey, I don't necessarily need to have a full-blown conversation with this entire group of people. I just need to excuse myself. And that's an internal boundary that I understand. And then you kind of politely decline events and you just make sure you're not available. So there's a lot of, lot of nuance with all of this stuff. All right. And then number five, are there any areas where your inner intuition, I guess that's kind of redundant. Your intuition is always internal. (laughs) It's always inner. Okay. So where your intuition is telling you one thing, but someone else in your life is telling you that it's no big deal. This can be a huge one. And the way this shows up is when, let's say, somebody makes a really off-color joke to you and it really bothers you and you want to say something and then you bring it up to somebody else and they say, oh, that's not that's not a big deal. You're being too sensitive. You're being too emotional. You're taking things too seriously. And what they're doing, and, and a lot of times it's not malicious. They don't mean to do this. Sometimes they do. But oftentimes they don't, is they are dismissing your intuitive hit. You have this intuitive pull that's going, hey, that doesn't feel right to me. And this other person is basically talking you out of your intuition. And that's a massive problem in our society at large in a lot of ways. But I think it's really, really important that you notice, okay, are there certain things that I'm feeling about a boundary that I might need to set with someone and somebody else is talking me out of it? This can also happen if you are upset with somebody in your life, let's say a partner, and you want to really tell them like, hey, I really need this type of a support in our relationship or this has been really bothering me and you confide in somebody else and they go, you could never say that to them. You can't say that to them where they talk you out of something that you feel really strongly about. So I like to say, be sure you speak your truth into ears that can hear you. Not all ears are capable of really championing your best life. Be careful about which counsel you seek. You can seek wise counsel (laughs) and not so wise counsel. Some folks who maybe are still rooted in extreme people pleasing or society's expectations or things like that that you're really working towards dismantling. So this could be something where you want to set up a boundary, let's say, with somebody in your life who who you feel like they've been drinking and driving and you don't want to drive with them anymore if they've had anything to drink or you don't want them to meet you out if they've had something to drink, right? Like maybe it's something like that and you're telling your partner about it and your partner goes, that is not that big of a deal. Are you kidding? Everybody does that. That's a little bit of a red flag, right? There's something there that intuitively you need a boundary around and somebody else is talking about of it. 
This could also be around dietary choices, things that are really important to you as far as what you consume. This could be around excessive teasing or what some folks would consider bullying. This could be lifestyle choices, all sorts of different things around this one, okay? So I want you to go back through these five questions and I want you to think about where are the boundaries that I need to set and what type of boundary might I need to set? Is it a full-blown sit-down conversation, which we're about to to start that, where I can give you some, some pointers and tips on that? Is it simply just one statement? Like, I don't share that opinion. Uh, I truly hope you can understand. Or I'm going to need to politely excuse myself. I don't feel comfortable with where this conversation is headed. Is it something just like a quick statement like that? Is it something where it's very definitive, like you are not allowed to touch me or please do not touch me, you know, where you're a little bit more forceful or assertive. If, for example, you are pregnant and somebody thinks it's okay to just, some stranger, just it's okay to touch your belly. I mean, really anybody. You can't just fucking touch people. Hello, consent. So those types of situations, you have to kind of evaluate what type of boundaries being being called for here. Is it sort of a boundary that's more indirect where you need to talk to your partner about how you're going to show up with their family? Or is it something where you need to address the family directly? Is it something that is a boundary around a decision just for your, your own happiness and wellness? of how much sleep you need or saying, I'm not going to be able to make it. I really appreciate the invite, but I know I will be worthless if I don't get some sleep. I've been burning the candle at both ends. Thank you so much for thinking of me. There's so many different levels and types of boundaries. And then, of course, the boundary around safety, just avoiding situations that you know it's not safe to actually be vocal about what you need. It's better for you to just avoid altogether. So quickly, let's just cover these again and be sure to think about how these directly apply to you. Number one, what do I chronically complain about and consistently? So it's not just the one-off, I had a bad day, I need to vent it out. It's when I consistently complain about one individual and then don't take action on the remedy. Number two, what pisses me off? What offends me? When do I bite my tongue? Number three, what components must be present for me to feel happy and healthy? Number four, what behaviors or statements from others make me feel unsafe? Is there anyone I avoid due to discomfort? And finally, number five, are there any areas where my intuition is telling me one thing, but then someone else in my life is telling me that I'm overthinking or it's, I'm being too sensitive or it's really just not that big of a deal. That's likely a place for a boundary. Okay, so I'm hoping that that has been helpful to start uncovering what are my actual boundaries? What do I need to give voice to? Because that can feel so so sticky. (laughs) Like, uh, I hear this term, but I don't really know where in my life to, to pin that down. And keep in mind, too, that you get to always have baby steps here. You don't have to 
be flawless at this. In fact, if you've had people pleasing as a behavioral pattern, it's likely that your boundaries are going to be clunky as fuck. I know mine were for sure. And the only reason I think they've come out of my mouth now so smoothly and easily is because I talk about them all the time. And you can do that by rehearsing them, which is something that we're going to get into. But I did want to mention as well that this is one of the major pieces that I speak about. And if you are interested in having me speak to your group or your association or your company and and implement kind of how these boundaries might work for your specific group, please check out amygreensmith.com slash speaking and you can see how this might be applicable to your particular group. Okay, so three steps to establishing boundaries. We're going to move into my three-part formula, and we're going to cover just the first one in the remainder of this episode because I don't want to overload it. It's definitely a two-parter. Okay, but I wanted to tell you ahead of time what the three elements are. It's decide, deliver, enforce. Three steps to establishing a boundary, decide, deliver, enforce. All right, so we're going to focus on the decision, the deciding piece, and then we'll talk about the other two, deliver and enforce, next week. Okay, so let's talk about what goes into this decide element. The first item of business is to frame up a time to talk with that other individual. We're going to assume that the boundary that needs to be established is one that warrants a longer conversation where you have some stuff to express. It's not just a one-off, hey, I find that offensive. Please don't talk about that in front of me. We're actually going to have a sit-down conversation. So this might be with your best friend. I've definitely had that. It might be with a partner. Also have had that. Somebody in business or at your workplace, a boss, a copart, something like that. So be thinking about are there any situations that really warrant a longer in-depth conversation? So the first aspect of that is asking for that time to speak with them. A lot of times we will be on completely different pages with somebody depending on what's going on in their day. So you might feel really calm and present and ready to tackle a difficult conversation. And they maybe just got their ass handed to them by their boss or their friend. And they are not at all in a place to have a really thoughtful conversation. So preemptively asking for a scheduled time to have a sit down where the both of you can be present or the group of you. It could be a larger group. Now, we're also going to nail down two specific requests. This is the part of the decide element of the boundary setting. We're going to nail down two specific requests. The first one is going to be, what am I asking for as it relates to the conversation only? What do I need in this conversation? How Can we approach this to feel safe? And what do I need to ask for? So oftentimes what that sounds like is, hey, I've got a lot of stuff that I would like to share with you today. And it would really mean a lot to me if you would just hear me out. Let me get this out. And then I'm happy to hear all of your perspective and bounce it around a little bit. 
The reason why this is so important to frame up what you need for the actual conversation is because a lot of times if anybody feels like they are being accused of something, they will go into a defensive and they will want to give you a counterpoint for every single thing that you bring up. Well, I wouldn't do that if you didn't do this or, you know, it's just because you and you have to bring it back and go, hey, listen, I'm totally happy to hear you out again. It's really important to me to just get all of this out. Please let me just finish and then we can discuss. So those moments can be really difficult because the other person will likely be trying to bait you into switching up that whole conversation. So we'll talk about that in a second. But the second thing that we're going to decide on is what we're actually asking for from them. So are we saying, I know I've used this example many times, but a friend of mine years ago, her in-laws kept telling her, if you if you have your children, if we are watching your children for you, we're going to go take them to get baptized. And this friend of mine was not religious and did not want any of that to happen for her children. So how that might be formulated then is first the decision for her around, here's what I need during this actual conversation. I need you to hear me out, for example. And then second, what am I actually asking them for? So in her situation, the very specific requests were that you do not discuss your faith traditions with the children, that you do not take them to any sort of church establishment, or religious establishment, that you don't take them to get baptized, that is very, very different than saying, I need you to respect our choices around what we choose to teach our children. That's not specific enough. So that request has to be incredibly specific. So two requests, one for the actual conversation and then one for the grievance, the issue that you want to rectify. And that second one has to be super specific. I mean, both of them have to be super specific. But if you think about the way that we communicate a lot of times, we'll say things like, I just need you to respect me or I'd really appreciate it if you didn't dismiss me. That's fantastic, but it's not specific. The other person doesn't have the very clear delineated issue so that they can actually come through for you and genuinely respect the boundary. Now, most people don't really teach us this about how to really communicate effectively. But if you think about, you know, let's say your partner is like, hey, I could really use some more romance. What the hell does that mean? I don't necessarily feel like this is a huge boundary conversation. I wouldn't categorize it that way, but it's a great way to illustrate specificity. So your partner might be like, uh, I, what does that mean? Does that You want me to initiate sex more? You want me to plan date nights? You want me to leave notes around the house? You want me to give you words of affirmation? You want, like there's so many ways that, quote, more romance could be interpreted depending on your own love language or, you know, whatever. That's why the specifics of it are incredibly important. So in this example, 
this friend of mine laid out, these are the things that I do not want to have happen when my children are at your house. Now, that might institute a boundary on their behalf, right? And that can happen as well, where maybe their faith was so important to them that they weren't willing to watch the children anymore unless they were allowed to share their faith. That could be a boundary coming right back. And so, again, that's that whole middle ground of where can I love me and you equally, not where I'm sacrificing myself or and letting you walk all over me or not me bulldozing you and making you believe what I believe or wanting what I want. It's how can we both operate in a place where we both feel respected And that does not always happen. Sometimes when both parties are vocal about how they feel, it means the relationship starts to disintegrate. And I've definitely had that with a couple of friendships where in order for us to both stand in our own boundaries, the relationship had run its course. The friendship needed to to end. And sometimes in severe situations, that's, that's where it goes. But I think what's important to understand is that we don't have to jump to that immediately. The first item of business is, have I at least given them the opportunity to be what I need? If they say and show me over and over again that they're not willing to do that, then there's a different decision to be made. But for most of us, and I'm guessing most of you are all listening right now, you know that you probably haven't really clearly, softly laid out exactly what you need from somebody in a way in which you can be heard. And we're going to talk about that a lot next week around the actual delivery. Also in the decision phase, the decide phase, you want to think about, is there anything that I really need this person to hear or to know? And sometimes That's what the whole conversation is about. An example of that might be if, let's say you have a really strained relationship with a parent, and maybe there's a request in there, like I request that you do not contact me any further. Maybe it's a really volatile, toxic relationship. But sometimes there isn't a request. It's just, I need this to be put out into the ether. I need this person to know how I feel, I need them to hear me, whether or not they can compute it, whether or not they agree, whether or not they're willing to take any accountability. And the thing to ask yourself around that is no matter how this person responds, is this something that I need to get out of my body? Because there's a lot of healing in that. Now, This is something that I've worked with a lot of clients and students on because sometimes we get all worked up and we want to share something, but we're super attached to how they receive it. We want them to say they're sorry or own it or really take responsibility, and we do not always get that. So when you're asking yourself this question, what do I need this other person to hear or know? It always has to be with the caveat of they may they might not receive it well. They might not respond in my ideal fashion. And that will really give you the discernment of is this super important for me to be vocal about simply because I need to get it out of my body. 
And then finally, under the decide element is to internally, now this is not something that you necessarily need to share with them, but I want you to start preliminarily deciding on how many times you are willing to repeat the boundary before there is a consequence, before there's a repercussion. So going back to the anecdote about the friendship and the religion piece, she may have it in, I don't think she did, but let's just say she thought, okay, I'm willing to repeat myself five times. I'm willing to say again to that person over and over again, hey, I was really serious about that boundary five times before I actually do not let my children go over to their house any longer or do not let them watch the kids without myself and my partner there, right? So that's something for you to internally gauge. There's some that there's no room for it. Like with any type of verbal, physical abuse, stuff like that, there's no room for a second chance. But in a lot of situations, there's going to be time for that person to kind of test you. And they don't always mean to do it maliciously, but they're surprised by the new emboldened version of you. And a lot of times they'll go, I don't know if Amy really means it. And so they'll just revert back to whatever the old dynamic was. So you will likely have to speak up for it multiple times. And each situation is going to be different. So that's a piece of it. Let me, and we'll we'll get into that a lot more in the enforcement piece next week. But be thinking about, okay, how many times am I willing to repeat myself and re-underline, hey, this is a really big deal to me, and restate your request? How many times are you willing to do that before there's an actual consequence that you are willing to genuinely enforce? Okay, we are going to leave it at that. That's plenty for one day. So hopefully you've gotten a lot of great nuggets, some really great places to excavate for where you might need to establish boundaries. And then just start thinking about the actual boundary request, being really specific about it, asking for exactly what you need, not being ambiguous about like, oh, I just need more respect or I need you to open up more or I need you to communicate more. None of that is helpful. None of that is helpful. It needs to be specific. When you are going through a rough day, I would love for you to say to me, hey, babe, I'm going through a really rough time today. I don't think I'm ready to discuss it quite yet. Give me some time to decompress. Sometimes you actually have to give people the words to say. That's what I mean by I need you to communicate better. Or if something's upsetting you, I need you to say this to me. So you have to give people really specific examples of what you are requesting. So keep that in mind. We'll come at you with part two next week. So please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak the bold-faced truth. Peace. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding. But I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.